everyone and welcome to Murder and Merlot. We are a true crime book club podcast. I'm your host Tara. And I'm your host Michelle. Oh hi there friends. It's me Tara. Cutting into this episode early. We were supposed to be posting part two of the Green River Killer today, but unfortunately Michelle and I are both still in self-isolation, so we are not able to record together. Fortunately, though, we did already have our next mini-episode recorded, so that's what we will be posting today. We are using this quarantine time to prepare a lot more content for you guys, and we're also working on improving our audio as well, so we have big plans in the works here. Thank you all for understanding. I know it sucks that we won't be talking more about the GRK today, but we do have a great episode here. We are talking all about saving animals, survivor stories, including my crazy survivor story at the end, and we are announcing the next book that we will be covering. So stick around for all of that. Stay safe, my friends. Enjoy the episode. Today's episode is a mini. We hope you enjoyed our first book-based episode of The Green River Case. I know it's a lot to take in, so we wanted to talk about something a little bit different this week, and that is the Ahimsa House. Ahimsa? Ahimsa. Okay. <laughs> that was painful, I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, friends, grab your glasses and get cozy. Let's talk about saving animals. Yeah. <laughs> Tink. <laughs> so I don't expect many or any of our listeners to know what I'm talking about here because it's not a true crime case or any type of news story. Ahimsa House is an organization that helps people with pets escape domestic violence. And what they do is just truly amazing and heartwarming. I just recently heard about this group because I attended the Western Veterinary Conference in Las Vegas in February. And one of the events uh, they had put on was a fundraiser for the Ahimsa House. I think I was really drawn to this idea because it incorporates two of my main interests, which is veterinary care and true crime. So I thought that was pretty neat. Perfect. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited to hear about it. Yeah. I'm going to tell you all the things. Now, they're based in Georgia, so I realize that's a long way, <laughs> long ways away from where we are. So, sorry, it's not a close-by thing, but we can still talk about it and Absolutely. inspire other people to do great things like this as well. Mm-hmm. But I think the concept is so interesting that, uh, yeah, there should be more resources like this for victims out there all over the world. Absolutely. So ahimsa is a Sanskrit principle of nonviolence, and I also saw it described as respect for all living things and avoidance of violence towards others. I love that. Yeah, pretty much. You know, you could just be a nice person. Be a good. Just human. don't be violent. Just be a good human. Yeah. So, anyways, I like that. So I wanted to explain a little bit about what they do, and I wanted to share some of the victims' stories as well. And I know this sounds like an ad read, but it's not. It's just something really interesting that I found. <laughs> yeah. So first thing you'll see when you open their website, which is ahimsahouse.org, if you're interested, is a safety alert that pops up on your screen. It says, if you're in danger, please use a safer computer, call 911, or a 24-hour crisis line. And it gives some other resources as well. It also says uh, there is always a computer trail, but if you leave, uh, you can leave this site quickly if you click here. So you can click that link or a big button that says escape, and it will take you to a weather network website. Just kind of neat. so cool. Right? So there's uh, also a link for other technology safety tips as well. And this is because abusers will most likely be tracking what their victims are doing or what they're looking at. 
So AHIMSA wants to make sure that the victims are aware of that when they're looking at their website. Um, as well, if the abuser approaches them, they can quickly switch to uh, a more inconspicuous website. So I thought that was really neat. That's awesome. Like, I'm just, I never would have even thought of that. I know. I love that they thought of that. Just looking at their website, you can see that they put so much thought into it, and they're really professional about That's these things. Beautiful. Yeah. Their homepage has stories of victims, how to help, and what they do. So it says, rescue, rebuild, and reunite for people with pets escaping domestic violence. So what does this mean? Rescue within uh, with a 24-hour crisis line and emergency transport. They rescue pets from uh, domestic abuse. Rebuild. Each foster is dedicated to at least 60 days and will take care of pets until the owner finds safety and gets back on their feet. And reunite. Once the victims are ready to welcome their pets back into their new safe home, they are reunited. That just makes me want to cry. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Some people ask, why do pets need shelter from domestic violence? So their response is, quote, up to 71% of victims of domestic violence report that their abusers also threatened, harmed, or killed the family pets. An effective weapon to terrorize the family and keep them silent about the abuse in their home. Abusers often threaten to harm pets if the victims try to leave. They also harm pets left behind as a way to retaliate or coerce the victims into returning. Concern for a beloved companion animal's welfare prevents or delays as many as 50% of battered individuals from escaping domestic abuse. Some escape, but then attempt to return to a dangerous situation to reclaim pets left behind. Others escape with their pets, but wind up living in their cars or on the streets because they have nowhere that will take them in. This is an issue for both animal safety and human safety. Oh, my heart. I know. (laughs) It's so sad, and I wanted a more happy story to talk about. But I think this is important. But this is it. I mean, I'm so happy that there's an organization that helps with this kind of stuff, but it is pretty sad to talk about. It is. Yeah. And while you and I were just talking about this, we've both dealt with abuse cases yes, in we, our career. We work in the veterinary industry and we have seen some abuse cases and they are so hard. They break me. Yeah. They really do. Every single time. They break every one of us. Yeah. In, in the building and in the industry. <laughs> yeah. It's awful. Yeah. So I, I love that this organization exists. Yeah. Yeah. And just, it's so true that, like it says, there's statistics 71%. 71% of, domi- of victims of domestic violence also report that their animals are being abused, which it's true. It happens all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People in the veterinary industry have to report cases of suspected abuse. And one of the reasons for that is because we're concerned for the owner's safety as well. So so I wanted to talk about uh, the victim stories that are on their website. Um, I was only going to pick one or two to talk about, but (laughs) they're all just amazing. So I kind of have some bits about each and every one of them. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, there's only four, but still, each each one is a lot. (laughs) (laughs) I tried to summarize the first two a little bit, though, so it wouldn't Mm -hmm. be so long. Mm -hmm. The uh, the survivor testimonies de- testimonies definitely get you right in the feels. <laughs> yeah. So these stories describe the abuse and attacks of the victims and what the pets endured. So um, trigger warning: <laughs> there is yeah animal abuse, there's um, domestic violence, and the last one involves murder and a suicide. So it's it's not really fluffy stuff. No, no. So just trigger warning. Like I said, two of them. I'll give a brief summary and then I'll go more into depth with the other two. 
So, Frances' story. Uh, her boyfriend came home from a night of drinking and attacked her. He grabbed her by the neck and struck her in the chest. She was legally blind from glaucoma, so she was confused by what was happening until she saw the blade of a knife coming down again into her stomach this time. He beat her with a bat, bit her face, tried to crush her windpipe, and more. Her tongue was also nearly ripped out of her mouth. Yet this incredible woman managed to get a hold of the bat and hit him in the head before running out the door. She crawled through the woods and across barbed wire to get to the street. She made it to the road and stood in front of oncoming vehicles for help. She made it to the hospital and survived, despite her severe and permanent injuries. That Ahimsa house fostered Francis's pets while she was recovering, and they were reunited when she was in a safe new location. They also provided all the pet supplies she needed to start her new life. Man. She went through a lot. Holy crap. It was awful. And from the story that she told, it was like, yeah, she knew that her boyfriend had a bit of a temper, but this seemed absolutely unexpected. Like, nothing like this had ever happened before, and he just came home drunk, and that's what happened. A bit of a temper. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, and it's just so scary that she, she was legally blind, and I don't think she was expecting him to come home, and then, then all of a sudden somebody was attacking her. Holy crap. Isn't that terrible? That's awful. Next one is Diego's story. A victim of domestic abuse was escaping her abuser and was asking asking for help for her 18-week-old puppy, Diego, because she didn't want to leave him behind. Diego was placed in a boarding facility, but three days later, he was unresponsive. He was transferred to an emergency veterinarian, where he was placed in the ICU and given a blood transfusion. The doctor de determined uh, that he had been given rat poison by the owner's abuser. Doctor. Yep. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Fortunately, Diego made a full recovery and was united with his owner. Ahimsa House paid for the vet bills that the owner would otherwise not be able to afford, and the victim did not have to suffer the trauma of losing a family member after everything else she had been through. Oh my god. I know. Oh, I hate people so much. And it's such a common thing we hear is people poisoning animals yeah and i don't i don't think we see a lot of evidence of it but there's always talk about warnings like hey just let you know i think people are poisoning um, yeah. animals around town comes here up on about social media all, all the time. time so we don't often see cases of intentional poisoning like that but it happens mm -hmm. unfortunately people are awful they are so mary's story i'm just going to read what is on the website for Mary's story. He viciously beat Mary and her three cats again. Mary packed a bag, got into her car alone, and drove to a shelter for battered women. One big problem, pets weren't allowed. After she left, her batterer picked up Toby, the tabby, and threw him from the balcony mm -hmm. to the ground three stories below. That's where he was when a neighbor found him. As gently as possible, she cradled his small body, taking him to her her apartment, <laughs> sorry, I'm getting the feels, <laughs> taking him to her apartment and then gathered the other cats. Meanwhile, Mary, who couldn't bear to give her cats away or to take them to an animal shelter, was helped by the, her counselor to call Ahimsa House crisis line. Ahimsa House took the cats in and gave them medical care along with a big dose of love and attention. Toby, as a result of this fall, needed two surgeries. We expected the worst, but by some miracle, he survived. Oh, Toby. I know. 
After Mary left the shelter and found a safe living situation, we reunited her with Toby and her other two cats. They were a family again, this time without the horror of abuse. Oh, my heart. Right? And they said this happens quite often. It's abu- the abused will try to leave, and no shelter will help them with their animals. Well, not help them, but they don't allow animals there. So then they're kind of put in this, this tough situation. So and I mean... The animals are you. I mean, get get yourself help. Yes, a hundred percent. Absolutely. But to be able to have someplace that's gonna gonna, gonna take, take care of that, and take yeah. care of you. That's yeah, amazing. I, that one, I don't know why, but it really got me. The it got me. You saw my face. I know. I think I saw Michelle's reaction, <laughs> and oh. then I was like, it hit me. <laughs> Poor Toby. I'm so happy. Oh, sweet neighbor. Oh no. And just like the Thank description you. of her, like. Like gently cradling. Thank you, neighbor. Yeah, just a good person. Yeah. And this last story is a long one, and it is, it's a hard one, not gonna lie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's Michelle's story. Not this Michelle. Not this Michelle. Not our Michelle. No. It's a different Michelle. <laughs> Thank goodness. Thank goodness. Uh, yeah, but I'm, this one's a long one, and I also will pretty much just read what she had, she wrote for the website. I also, Think the impression that I got is that she uh, works with Ahimsa uh, House as well, and she she helps them and helps other people now. So that's really great. That's awesome. Yeah. So I have been asked to share the story of my mom. However, I don't know how to tell her story without telling the story of my own. My parents were divorced when I was eight years old. My brother, our Chihuahua Buttons, and I went back and forth between parent between my parents' houses for several years. My mom had a 10th grade education and found it hard to support herself and two children while working at fast food restaurants and convenience stores. She eventually ended up marrying the person that would become our worst nightmare. We moved into a small trailer in Omega, Georgia with him and his four children. I did not realize it was four other children (laughs) when I first read this. I'm pretty sure the beating started immediately after we moved in with him. The first time he hit her was a slap in the was a slap across the face with talking back to him at the dinner table. The hitting continued to escalate into more serious beatings shortly after that. One afternoon, while we, his four children, my brother and I, were all playing in the backyard, he locked the back door, locking us outside. A few minutes later, I heard my mom begging him, stop, Kenny, and please don't. The scream stopped, and he walked outside and threw a lit match on the ground. Without ever looking at any of us, he got into his truck and left. At that age, around 10, I did not understand what had just taken place. He had knocked my mom unconscious, poured gas around the bed, and walked outside and dropped a lit match. And he just drove away. The match, thankfully, went out before hitting the ground and it didn't start a fire. My mom would have been burned while we were outside playing. Holy crap. (laughs) Ugh, I'm getting the same chills as I did when I was describing the victims of the Green River Killer. Yeah. Me too. Like, my toes are tingling. Yeah. The first time I ever remember him directly attacking either myself or my brother, he busted our fish tank with an iron skillet. We were playing Monopoly at the table when he came in from work. He took one look at the clothes on the couch that needed to be folded and became angry with us. He started yelling about ungrateful children and how he would show us not to play when there was work to be done. He grabbed the skillet off the stove and smashed the front of the fish tank with one swing. We were running around trying to save our pets from flopping around on the ground. We ended up hiding in the closet until the argument stopped and all the fish died. 
He never hit either my brother or me. Sometimes I think I would have preferred that to him hitting my mom. Thinking about her bruises and her sad eyes still breaks my heart. Aww. She was a tiny human. My dad heard about the situation with my mom's husband and gained full custody of us, even buttons. Oh, that's good. My brother and I lived with our dad and would spend school breaks most of the summer with our mom. She lived in many different trailers in different trailer parks around Tipton slash Fitzgerald, Georgia. The address has changed often. Unfortunately, her situation never changed. Every time he would hurt her, he would soon be apologetic and try to make it up to her. He always told her how he would change and how things would be different. Nothing ever changed. Things only got worse. My mom loved animals, and someone gave her a chihuahua for her birthday one year. Skippy was an entertaining little dog and my mom's protector. He would follow her everywhere she went, and I believe he kept her going on some of the darkest days she's ever had. One summer, while I was visiting and my brother stayed with my dad, my mom did actually leave him after the violence got to be more than I could take. He had hit, slapped, kicked her several times in one night. The fourth night, he came in and started pushing her around and yelling at her. He picked up Skippy and put him in the oven and closed the door. Luckily, the pilot light was out or he would have killed him. I remember shaking. All I could do was shake and cry. My neighbor called 911 and three officers arrived to help. One of the officers put me in his car and gave me his jacket and talked to me until I calmed down. The officers offered to take us to safety knowing my mom had no transportation. The woman's shelter would not let my mom bring her chihuahua Skippy. She refused to go and leave Skippy with the angry abusive husband and we ended up staying in a motel in the center of the city. The officer, knowing the motel didn't allow pets, let me sit in the car with him and Skippy while my mom got a room key. Aww. Yeah, that's sweet. We snuck Skippy into the room and no one at the motel ever knew he was there. However, we could only scrape enough money together for one night. We returned to the trailer and a calmer husband the next day. Skippy was the smart one. He never trusted him. After that day, Skippy stayed with, stayed away from him, but stayed close to my mom. During my teenage years, I could go for months and not hear a word from my mom. It was much later, after I was married and had children of my own, that I realized those were the times that the violence was the worst. I do not think she wanted us to know what she was going through, and I do not think I could even bear knowing. My mom stayed married to him for 19 years. Holy crap. Yeah. Ugh. That was long enough for his children to grow up, her children to grow up, and for Skippy to pass away from old age. He died in August of 1998, and in September of that year, my mom finally left her abuser. She no longer had to worry about what he would do to Skippy if she left. He was her baby, and she felt she needed to protect him. She had asked for a divorce, and he told her that he would kill her before he gave her a divorce. Over the next 10 days, my mom moved out, and his children helped sneak her things out of his house. Her husband went around their small town and told everyone who would listen that he was going to kill her if he ever caught her. His kids yeah. moved her out. Yeah, so they, they knew that he was a bad person. Oh, yeah. By this time, my brother and I were both married and had children of my own. I had always felt this connection to my mom, and never more than the last few years of her life. We talked on the phone almost every day, and sometimes it was multiple times a day. My mother was awesome, brave, funny, loving, caring, understanding, and she was my best friend. On the night of September 28, 1998, she left work and arrived home around 11 p.m. She was living in a rented, tiny, one-bedroom trailer on the edge of town. My mom walked in her trailer, went to the bedroom, and put her purse down. 
and her estranged husband broke the lock on the front door and came in after her. From the number of bruises and the placement of the bruises, she truly fought for her life. Neighbors reported hearing her say, please don't shoot me, Kenny, several times. She managed to somehow head for the door and had her arm stretched out to the doorknob when he shot her in the back with a 12-gauge shotgun at almost point blank range. That was the worst day of my life. Holy crap. <laughs> so much. It has been a little over 15 years now, and there are still times that I can hardly believe this whole thing is, is not some nightmare. My children were in preschool and sixth grade when my mom died. My daughter graduated from high school last year, and my son is, was married in the fall. They have missed out on knowing one of the most loving, caring, wonderful people to have ever lived. My brother committed suicide three years after my mom died. He had some other problems, but my mom's death really broke him. My niece was three when my mom died. She does not remember my mom at all. I think about my mom every day, and I miss her more the older I get. I know she loved me. I know she knew that I loved her. There is really nothing that could ever take away the pain and the sense of loss that has become a constant part of our lives. Everyone that I talk to that knew my mom tells me how sweet she was. I believe them. She was the sweetest person I had ever met. I hope I made her proud, and I hope that by sharing our story, or at least part of it, others will know that they're not alone. That was a lot. <laughs> that was a lot. Yeah. She stayed with him for 19 minutes because she was worried about skinning. Yeah. Uh, well, I actually watched a video of Michelle telling his story, and it was so long ago, but you could tell it was still so hard for her to talk about. And she was saying that if she had an organization like this to help her out, she would still be alive today. Oh, uh, it's not heartbreaking. Yeah. Uh, she finally got the courage to leave after Skippy had passed away, and she was killed 10 days later. That's awful. I know. Did... It say was he arrested? Did they catch him? They didn't say. I hope so. Yeah, she didn't talk about anything past that. But I hope he he got what he deserved. I really do. Yeah. But now Michelle, other Michelle, <laughs> Michelle, um, yeah, is an advocate for victims of domestic violence like this. That's amazing. Yeah. That's not a fluffy story. I'm sorry. No, it was. <laughs> and I was going to summarize it, but. I just felt like reading it with her words, just, I don't know. It was powerful. It was powerful, yes, very powerful. Yeah, I didn't want to try to skim through it. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> so now that we've talked about those awful stories, let's talk about how you can help these kind of people. <laughs> yes. So you can help the Ahimsa House uh, by donating if you'd like. Um, so you can go onto their website, ahimsahouse.org, like I said before. So you can donate online, I believe. You can send them a check or there's other ways to donate. I think they accept um, food or other type of donations like that. Um, if you were in the area, they're always looking for fosters and uh, people to transport animals, that kind of stuff. But I know they're very far away. <laughs> but um, so you can you can support them if you'd like or you can support local rescues in your area. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing I will just throw in here, if you know somebody that's in trouble or you're in trouble, um, the RCMP can help you. Um, you can also, the SBCA. Yep. Yep. SBCAs, you can call them as well. Yeah. In these and kind of situations. Hopefully, nobody's in these situations. Yes. We yeah. hope not, but there are resources out there for people that are. Yeah. And especially if there's animals involved, call the RCMP. Yep. Or 
your local police detachment or wherever you may be, mm-hmm. um, they're here to help us. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And a lot of uh, animal rescues, they work out of foster homes. Mm-hmm. So you could always reach out and just see if they would be willing to foster an animal as well. Yeah. Yeah. Or you can mention that if you're talking to Paris and Keith, you could probably mention that as well to see if they could help arrange something like that. I know um, our local RCMP works with, with a rescue, which is really great in situations where things are bad. So, yeah. Yeah. So, that was a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I have a tendency to do this for some reason. <laughs> um, so, let's ask our question for today. Uh, what is your favorite survivor story? Ooh, yeah, survivor the, story. With the theme. Um, my favorite survivor story is the story of Tika Adams. Mm. She is the, she was, I think, 29. Yeah. And, and she was homeless and she's pregnant when a friend of hers held her captive for four days mm. and her friend called her son, like friend's son, mm. to come help her keep her captive. Mm-hmm. And they tried to take her baby. Oh. Which, Awful. So awful. And unsuccessfully tried to take her baby, so I really <laughs> don't know what they did to that poor woman. Yeah. I don't know either, but I'm glad that they weren't successful. Yes. Yeah. Um, and she was able to escape. Mm-hmm. She found a neighbor, and the neighbor called 911. And then her baby was delivered by C-section at the local hospital. A legit C-section. A legit C-section. Not, not a placement job. <laughs> yeah. And then she named her baby Miracle. Oh, that's yeah. really sweet. Yeah. Yeah. I like that one. That's a crazy one. There's a few stories like that of people trying to steal babies. I, yeah, there's a whole Wikipedia page on it. Oh, if, great. If you <laughs> want to dig into it, you can. If you just want to go through the list of all of the times that has happened. Yeah, because it's apparently a thing. It is. And it's gross. But, yeah, that's my favorite. Cause she, mm-hmm. like, she got out, she survived, her baby survived, and um, all good things. Mm-hmm. Everybody that held her captive got arrested. So. Um, let's see. Well, Probably my favorite one is Mary Vincent. Oh, I love Mary classic. Vincent. Classic. Anybody that's listened to my favorite murder probably knows all about Mary Vincent. Yeah. But yeah, she was uh, the girl. How old was she? She was young. She was like probably sixteen or something. Say sixteen. Yeah. Yeah. And she uh, she wanted to. I think she wanted to go home. I think she ran away and wanted to go home, and so she uh, was hitchhiking, and a man pulled over. There was other people around, and they said don't go in with that guy but she was desperate and she just really wanted to go home at that point so she got in with this guy and unfortunately it was worst case scenario he did all kinds of horrible things but most notably um he cut off her arms that's right i thought it was just her hand but no it was, it was, it was her, her arms. arms yeah she he cut off both of her arms and i think he threw her over a cliff yes yeah mm-hmm. And so this man drove away, and she somehow had the strength and determination to uh, pack the wounds with mud to make them stop bleeding. She's a badass. She is a total badass. And she climbed the embankment, and she got help. She, just like the one lady in the story, she crawled onto the road and got somebody to help. I'm pretty sure I remember it was a couple that was on their honeymoon. <laughs> yes, totally. Yeah. So anyways, that's a crazy story. She's a hero. She is a hero. And I think she's a big advocate now. Yeah, she yeah, is. She, is. Yeah. she speaks to people. She's incredible. Yeah. Hopefully, I, I didn't really look at the details of that case before just talking about it right now. Yeah. It's all from memory, so I hope I got most of the details I right. Think it sounds right. Yeah. But anyways, that's a crazy one. There's also another case. 
I don't remember the woman's name, but I believe I saw it on I Survived, and it was where um, an ex-husband or somebody like that had hired a hitman to kill her in her house, and she ended up killing the hitman because she's also a badass. A badass. So I just thought that was incredible, especially because I'm extremely paranoid about people breaking into my house, and I'm always thinking, like, what would I do? And, yeah, she... She did it. Like, she won. Yeah. She won that fight. That's amazing. Yeah. That man was not prepared for what happened. <laughs> and I'm sorry, I don't remember the details of that case. And that was very vague. But I just remember that woman being a badass. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. It's International Women's Day. Of course she's a badass. It is. Yeah. yeah. Um, I guess we are recording this a lot earlier than when it will be released. Yes. <laughs> We're cheating a little bit. But uh, it is March 8th. Yes. International Women's Day. Awesome. Nice to end on that. Yeah. Good note. I have an I Survive story. Shut up. You you know this. (laughs) Think about it. Should I tell it? (laughs) Well, you have to now. (laughs) My bear story. Oh, I was going to say, it's got to be the bear, right? It's a bear. I mean, I've been in actually a few situations where it's like, oh, that was a a close call. But that's definitely the closest one. (laughs) I just, for whatever reason, just pictured you like, karate chopping somebody in the face, but wow. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. (laughs) I don't know karate. (laughs) That's where my brain went. Great. Great. You do now. I work on my karate stores, (laughs) but I guess I'll tell my own. You got to tell my own. I got to tell my own. Okay. So I love this story. (laughs) It makes me shake because my adrenaline gets pumping. So before my husband and I got married, we went to uh, his father's place in BC and it is truly out in the middle of nowhere. It's uh, it's 40 kilometers north of the closest town, and it's just deep into the mountains. And we live like true mountain people when we're out there. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah, we get our water from the creek, and we don't have lights or power or anything like that. Love it. So it's truly living off the land. So there's no cell reception or anything else like that out there. And that was the first time we've ever been there. That was when my father-in-law first purchased the house. Uh, so we were exploring the area, and we drove up a old logging trail the one night, and we popped our tire, <laughs> which is very unfortunate, and uh, we couldn't change the tire because now trucks have stupid lock nuts. Uh, that's, yep. You have to have a certain one for your truck, and ours was uh, 14 hours away in Alberta. <laughs> okay. So that was great. So we limped the truck all the way down the hill, back to the house, and then the next day, um, my husband was going to go to town on his <laughs> tiny motorbike <laughs> to get a part that would help us, because there was literally nothing at this house at this point. So, yeah, the next day, uh, my husband rode to town, 40 kilometers, on his tiny little motorbike, and I was by myself at the house, and I thought I would be useful, so I was picking weeds on the driveway. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Great idea. Totally yeah. safe. Yeah. Totally safe. But I made the conscious effort. Well, this is what I always do. No matter where I'm at, actually, I don't listen to, like, I don't have headphones. Mm-hmm. I never listen to music or anything like that. I'm always aware of my surroundings, whether I'm in the middle of the bush, because I'm often in the middle of the bush. Mm-hmm. I, I'm an outdoors person and I hunt and everything else like that. So I'm always aware of my surroundings when I'm outside. And then if I'm in a city or anything else like that, I also don't trust people. Uh, no. So mm-hmm. I, I also won't listen to music then. So I had it. I had music quietly playing in my pocket so I could still listen to my surroundings. And so uh, I was outside picking weeds, 
and I heard a weird distressed scream coming from the bush, <laughs> which is not ideal when you're literally in the middle of nowhere by yourself. By yourself. And so my first thought was that was a cougar because cougars sound like women cry, uh, women screaming or baby screaming. Uh, so that was my first thought. So I start walking back to the house. I didn't want to run and attract anything. So I start walking back to the house. I take out my little knife, <laughs> my tiny little pocket knife. <laughs> and out of the, the trees ran a fawn, a baby fawn. And it was, it was a tiny little thing. And it ran out of the trees and went straight for me, like directly at me <laughs> and then around me. So then behind the baby, I was expecting the mom, mm -hmm. but behind the baby was a bear. And so this baby fawn <laughs> put me in the direct path. It's like, save me. It did. It was like, ooh, <laughs> help me. Or <laughs> good luck. Yeah, you first. Yeah. So a bear was directly behind this um, baby fawn, and I was ooh, not very far away at all. Um, 20 yards maybe that's just a total random guess but it was it was very close and so this bear locked eyes with me and was like oh a bigger stationary target snack great so the bear went after me instead so um the bear was kind of on my right side directly in front of me was the house but i was still quite a ways away i was probably two or three hundred yards away from the house still and so on my left was a bunch of trees. And so I went to the left to try to avoid the bear, but that meant that he tried to cut me off because mm -hmm. I had to run past the bear in order to get to the house. Mm -hmm. The bear tried to cut me off in mm -hmm. order to get me, but I was, I zigzagged through the trees. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Literally, as I'm running, and I'm not making this up, I was thinking to myself, I'm going to be on I Survived. <laughs> I had that thought. I have this weird thing where I'm very calm in, in really stressful situations. Yeah. And like, I just, I just go through the motions and Your I'm not, body just reacts. Yes, my body reacts and I don't really, I don't panic and I don't think about things too much, but apparently I think about, I'm going to be on I survived. That was the most important thing at that moment. Well, I'm glad you did. Yeah. Survive. So, uh, so I zigzag through the trees. There was a, a camper that I could see in the bush ahead of me. And I thought about climbing the camper, but at that point I could feel the bear almost touching my back and my heels and my feet when I was running. So I knew if I slowed down to climb the camper that it would immediately get me. I couldn't slow down for a second. So I ran around the camper and I had no idea it was set up like this, but it so happened that there was a camper and a, a shed right beside each other with a gap that was about a foot of a gap between oh the God. two. So I was running, I turned the corner and I was able to turn sideways and get through the gap while the bear couldn't fit through the gap. And so instead he had to run around the shed where I could run straight for the door from there. And the door was probably like 50 yards. 50, yeah, 50 yards at that point. So I, I sprinted to the door. I was able to get inside and slam the door and the bear was right on the other side of the door when I slammed it. So God, I love this story. Yeah. So I slammed the door. And then I laid down, and then I got all the feels. <laughs> That's when it hit me of what just happened, and then I broke down and cried. I would have peed my pants. Yeah. That's what my mom said, too, when I told her. Yeah. She said, I would have laid down and peed my pants. And I was like, that was not an option for me at that point. 
so yeah, and then, uh, so I was there for a while, um, and cried, and then my husband came home. He thought he was all funny on his little dirt bike, and somebody in town gave him a little stupid helmet to wear <laughs> to be safe, so he pulled in, like, look at me, I'm so cool. And then he saw me crying, <laughs> and he was like, oh my god, she shot herself. That was his first reaction, because I had a 22 when he left. <laughs> so he thought I shot myself. And I was, I try, I was crying. When I cry, I can't talk, but I was trying to explain to him that there's a bear and behind the house, the bear was still there. Oh God. Yeah. But, um, he saw us and Wiley kind of yelled at him and the bear took off and we didn't see him again after that, but. Cause Wiley doesn't look like a good snack. Apparently. Yeah. I mean, I think he's a snack. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. So anyways, that was my bear test. Fantastic. Yeah, I know. I wasn't really planning on telling that story, but then we started talking about survivor stories. So I was like, hey, seriously, the world needs to hear it because you're amazing. Ah, thank you. Is it a grizzly bear? Uh, it was a black bear. Oh. It was a black bear, but it was like full size, huge. Yeah. I mean, they they look, people say they look small in comparison, but when they're literally standing 20, when they're on your tail, like, feet away from you and then directly behind you, they're pretty big. <laughs> history with that fawn <laughs> actually it's so funny so i got home after this we had a kind of a big trip and then we went back home i didn't tell my mom about it till i was home my mom likes to freak out about things she's very you know worried about her kids which is totally fair as we do but i had to go to school the next day so then in the morning i was just like oh hey we had a great trip and i kind of half mentioned that i got attacked by a bear <laughs> and then she kind of freaked out a little bit but I was like, Mom, it's okay. The fawn got away and it was all fine. And she was so mad at me that my main concern was the fawn got away. But it did. I saved that baby fawn. It may not have cared about me at all. No. But I saved that baby fawn. It literally threw you to the bears. Yes, it did. It literally did. And now I know that the scream that I heard was the mom of the baby bleeding. Like, that's what it's called when they are making noise it's bleeding and she was screaming for her baby because it was getting chased by a bear huh. so that's heartbreaking yeah yeah mm -hmm. but you're welcome mama dear yeah yeah you're a hero oh thank and you. you survived i survived this is my i survived episode because <laughs> i didn't actually get caught by the bear so i guess it's not i survived material yeah because i don't have a face that's ripped off or anything <laughs> It's probably for the best. I guess. Yeah. I mean, would have been cool. Yeah. yeah. You're on a podcast now, so it's Yeah, fine. I got my own. I survived. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, we've drunk the fun <laughs> So make sure to answer our question as well, which was, what is your favorite survivor story? And obviously let us know about, uh, let us know what you think about this episode. You can email us at murderandmerlot at gmail.com. Find us on Instagram at Murder and Merlot Podcast, Facebook at Murder and Merlot Podcast, and Twitter at Murder and Merlot One. You can listen to us on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean, and anywhere else you find podcasts. And our next book announcement, yay! We will be reading and discussing Chase Darkness with Me by Billy Jensen. And I'm so excited. So good. I wasn't planning on reading this book, but I'm so glad we did. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, because I love it. 
So anyways, uh, read that book. Yeah. Have you decided if you're doing one or two parts? I haven't yet. Okay. Just, just keep writing and rewriting and so on. Yeah. I'll let you know. Just yeah. dive into the book. Get as far as you can before the episode comes out. Just trust me. It's great. You you, once it. you start, you can't stop. Exactly. So, yeah. Well, thanks for listening. Catch you on the flip side. Bye. Bye. <laughs>